Hello everyone, this is Matt Ferret, author of the Prepare for Medicare book series, and welcome to another episode of The Matt Ferret Show, where I interview insiders and experts to help light a path to a successful retirement. Come say hello at www.themattferretshow.com for YouTube videos, show links, notes, websites referenced, quotable quotes, and the complete show transcript. Thanks in advance for liking, following, subscribing, and rating the show everywhere you can listen and watch it. It really does help spread the word about The Matt Ferret Show. According to the Alzheimer's Association, over 6 million people over the age of 65 have some form of dementia. Caregivers of people with Alzheimer's or other dementias provided an estimated 16 billion hours of unpaid assistance last year a contribution to the nation valued at over $271 billion. Early onset dementia and Alzheimer's disease is increasingly infecting the lives of a growing number of Americans under the age of 65 as well. Early onset Alzheimer's is an uncommon form of dementia, and only about 5-6% to of people with Alzheimer's disease develop symptoms before age 65. Yet that translates into anywhere between 300 and 600,000 people in the U.S. The number of people being diagnosed with early onset dementia is soaring. My guest for this episode is a Ph.D. candidate in nutritional sciences and is doing research looking at the links between diet, dementia, and Alzheimer's. Along with her husband, Deandra has a blog, That Science Couple where she also does evidence-based nutrition coaching, specializing in chronic disease prevention and management. This episode will give you an insider's view into the latest links between diet, dementia, and Alzheimer's, why making dietary changes may give you the best shot to stop or slow brain-related decline, how you can help a loved one if you're a caregiver for an Alzheimer's patient, and how allergy testing, stress reduction, Genetics and science-backed, evidence-based nutrition coaching can all play a vital role in brain health and aging. Enjoy. DeAndre, welcome to the show. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me today. I'm so glad you're here. So tell everybody what you do and how you help people and how long you've been doing it. Sure. So I currently am a PhD student in nutritional sciences with a minor in population health. And my research at University of Wisconsin-Madison is working on Alzheimer's disease and diet as a mode of prevention. And what I do on the side is I write at That Science Couple. And so we've had our blog for about two years. And it basically came about from, we had friends and family members who knew that we were both science majors and they would come and ask us all different types of questions. So they'd ask about nutrition, they'd ask about lifestyle, they'd just ask about random things like about COVID-19 and what should we do? Um, so we had a lot of people coming to us and we decided that, hey, we need to be able to put this out in the world. There's other people out there that could benefit from the same kind of information that they're asking us for. And so what I've also done on the side is as I've been going through my PhD program, I've completed all my coursework. And so now I'm ready to do nutrition coaching. Let's start with the first piece, Alzheimer's and diet. Um, you know, we, we, can, we can talk about the statistics or we can jump into what's the connection and what's your research telling you and, and, um, and make the connection there. Talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So my research is specifically on the MIND diet. So it's uh, the Mediterranean DASH intervention for neurodegenerative delay. So they abbreviate it as MIND. 
basically it's a combination of the Mediterranean diet and then the DASH diet, which is um, the dietary approaches to stop hypertension. And so that was developed by the American Heart Association in a goal of trying to reduce the risk of like heart attacks. And so the combination of these two together, it's the first diet that's actually focused on um, mind, mind health and everything like that. And so it was created by Martha Claire Morris at Rush University. And one of the big things that they saw was that even if you had moderate compliance, so it's a checklist of 15 foods and it gives you, here's 10 foods that you wanna increase and you wanna have this minimum amount. And then there's five foods that are negative. So things like uh, butter and pastries are on that negative side. You wanna reduce those. And unfortunately. that, if, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, but if you have, um, if you have that minimum there, then even if you have like a 50% compliance to this dietary plan, you can have a reduction in your Alzheimer's risk. And they saw um, up to 50% of people who were at risk with Alzheimer's did not have those like symptoms coming. And so that was like more for, for the full compliance. And then moderate was about a 23% reduction in their risk of Alzheimer's. Um, so that's, it's really fascinating. And um, my new research project that I just got approved um, for my preliminary exam, which means that I'm just ready to start researching, is focusing on vascular dementia. And so we used to think that Alzheimer's was only about the plaques, the amyloid beta and the tau tangles. But actually, we found out that there's a lot of mixed pathologies. So people that will have some vascular components, and then some of these um, typical amyloid beta or tau um, presentations, those pathologies for Alzheimer's. And so we know that the diet can actually work through the cardiovascular pathway. So it can help improve your heart and then also will help improve the blood flow in the brain and in your brain as well. Uh, wow. Um, talk about, you know, I don't know, let's, let's go to if I'm at risk because my parents or, you know, relatives or family members had Alzheimer's, let's start there first for, you know, that end of the, the angle, when is the right time to start and thinking about a changing diet? When is too late? Is there such a thing as too late? Um, and talk about, uh, I don't know, let's just say risk reward. Is, is there a 100% chance I'm going to get better or, or I'm going to stave off Alzheimer's or a 10% chance? You know, I think that goes through a lot of people's minds like, well, I know I could exercise more. Yeah. You know, but is that really going to help? Um, yeah. I know what, what kind of reward? Nature. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the reward yeah. for all this effort of changing my diet and, and when is too late and when do I do it? Maybe is probably the more mm -hmm. succinct question I have. So that's a great question. So in my research, we focus on late onset Alzheimer's. So that's if you have dementia starting at 65 or later. And so the research that I've been working with for the vascular dementia has shown uh, 25 years before. So if you're looking at you know 65, then they're saying starting at 40. If you start at 40 on this dietary changes, then you have the longest amount of time to reduce your risk of having like any sort of dementia. Um, so that's pretty interesting that there's a long-term um, lead time with that. And one of the things that does um, increase your risk for dementia is uh, BMI, so your, your body mass index. And so that is actually in midlife. So in your 40s, in your 50s, that BMI is what would increase your risk if you have a high BMI 
So you're overweight or obese, then that will increase your risk for having dementia later on in life when you actually usually lose weight. And so it's not the weight that you are when you have dementia, but it's the weight that you had during midlife. So doing diet and exercise changes now when you're younger um, will help with that. But also if you're already in the 55 and over, if you haven't had any symptoms of dementia, it's a great time to start. If you already have dementia, then um, you can still have it um, the diet can help to slow the progression of it. So it's really important because we don't have any drugs on the market that can do that right now. But if you can switch over your diet, so it's mo mostly plant-based, um, they recommend like a cup of blueberries a day um, and then green leafy vegetables. So kale, spinach, arugula, bok choy, chard, um, all those kinds, like up to six cups a day. So the reason for that is um, the greens actually produce nitric oxide. And so when you have high levels of nitric oxide, that helps to dilate your blood vessels. And so you can get, get better blood flow so it can bring down your uh, blood pressure as well. So that's helpful. Um, so there's a lot of things that, that you can do and at any age. So let's say I'm in my forties and fifties and not yet 65 and um, mm -hmm. I hear you and I go, you know, even if Alzheimer's or dementia isn't necessarily in my immediate family history, still probably a good idea uh, for my own health and and um, and the potential on for uh, that, you know, dementia and the onset of dementia mm -hmm. and Alzheimer's. Is it me or does it seem as if the diagnoses for mm -hmm. early onset dementia, early onset Alzheimer's is increasing? Is that true or is that because we're checking for it earlier? Yeah, so it may be more that we're just identifying it earlier because they're, so with the late onset, it's the APOE gene and it's uh, copies of the E4 allele that basically mean that you have impaired ability. It's, it's a cholesterol uh, related molecule. And so your cholesterol is impaired. And so that adds and increases over time. And then you have more damage, more plaques, and then that, that can lead to the dementia as well. Um, and so part of it is also like how it flushes out. So you have the amyloid beta is a protein and it accumulates in your brain, but as you sleep, it helps to drain it out. So it's only when you get that, those proteins that are kind of stuck there. Um, but then for like the, the early onset, those typically are more genetically related. So we know there's only one gene that's kind of leading the charge for the late onset, but for the early onset, there's um, like three or four different genes that are pre predicting that. And so part of it could be that our diets are worse. And so we're starting from the age of like 16, you know, eating, you know, like fast food diet, standard American diet. And so we have that long exposure versus if you didn't have that and you were eating healthy all your life, then when you got to, you know, 65, that could be where you're getting more of the genetic uh, role rather than the, the environment. Man, you, you just packed a lot of stuff in there, a lot of which seems to be out of my control or anyone else's mm -hmm. control, except for diet, which is yeah. you noted starts at age 16. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Do you see any slowdown or changes in American society that, that says we're getting better and moving towards 
uh, thinking about these things as a part of our overall health and our healthcare system, or are we still not doing it at the very early stages? Yeah, so I think it's more prevalent now than it was, you know, even 10 years ago. So there's more documentaries out there now that you can watch. Um, one of our favorite ones was Forks Over Knives, and that one's on Netflix. And it's a it's a gateway one for if you just want to learn about like they call it plant based uh, lifestyle or whole food plant based. And so like reversing diabetes, getting off insulin, getting off uh, metformin, like uh, things like that, that can happen like in midlife. So I think that it's more acceptable now to like, look at diet. It, unfortunately it's not translating into like the restaurants. Right. So there, there is plant-based meat now in some of our fast food chains, which is a great option, but I say that's more of a transition food. So the plant-based meats are more for the environment than for your personal health. So yeah, I think I think it is more prevalent now, like eating healthier and it's more accessible in certain areas. But then at the same time, like there's still McDonald's, like, you know, every mile. So we're fighting against that as a nation. So we talked a little bit about 40s and 50s and early onset. Let me move now to uh, a, a number that's important for a lot of reasons. Um, 65, you mentioned mm -hmm. that number. 65 is kind of that point in American society where, you know, it's retirement, Social Security, Medicare. Mm -hmm. And so it's, a, it's a, a unique number in the sense that it's uniquely American and you, and you made mention of it. So let's just say 65 plus, knowing mm -hmm. that there are vast differences between 65, 75, 85 and beyond. Mm -hmm. What are the dietary changes that you can make now if you're approaching 65 that mm -hmm. may be beneficial? You know, again, I'll ask the question, is it too late? You know, if I think I've only, I'm only going to, you know, make it to 85 or 90, yeah. do I do anything now or do I just keep eating my cheeseburgers and, 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 and stay away from the kale? Yeah. So I think that the, it's never too late. Okay. So I'll just put that out there. As long as you're, you know, on this earth, every day is an opportunity to contrib contribute to your own health. So that's like my tagline is that, you know, every day you wake up, like you can choose, do I want to have that bacon double cheeseburger or do I want to have, you know, some light pasta dish or something. So like, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And that's the great thing about the mind diet is that you can just do pieces that are accessible to you. So you don't have to be perfect and it's not a fat diet. It's not a, I'm just going to do this for six months to lose weight and then I'm going to go off of it. Um, so if you do go down the plant-based route, a lot of times people do lose weight, but I say it's more how you feel and not so much focused on the scale. And so the reason for that is you do remove dairy. So almost all dairy should be removed from your diet. If you really like yogurt and you want to keep that in and you want to have like one serving a day, then that's fine. Or like with my client, I worked with her, I said like, okay, what about one serving of cheese or one serving of dairy? And the reason for that is to keep your saturated fat levels low. So you want it to be under uh, 25 grams of saturated fat a day. And uh, so you can just do a quick Google search on the foods that you're eating and then find out what's in it. If you're going to, you know, fast food, you can look it up there or just in the grocery store, it'll be on the label. Um, so that's, that's a good start, I think. And then like reducing red meat, honestly, red meat is not doing you any favors. Um, so it, it can, so it yeah, so it, it, it's good, but it can cause, um, actually, 
iron overload, which is hematochromatosis. And so basically like you can only get rid of a certain amount of iron every day. And so if you eat too much, then it taxes your system. And so that's also not a good thing. So that's like one of the things they say, uh, red meat is bad. Um, and then also with the grilling of meat. So like that, that's a big thing is like, you're not just like, if you're sous viding it, then that's a little different, but if you're grilling it, then it creates these compounds called um, TMAO, trimethylamine oxide, and it's very damaging to your system. So um, I have some more about that um, in a blog post that, let me see what it's called real quick. Um, it's Alzheimer's disease is the power on your plate. So we can provide a link to that if you wanna read more about it. Um, but yeah, so meat reduction, uh, same thing with, with chicken as well. Chicken is also not really a health food, even though it's been touted as that. Um, and then fish can be moderate. So you don't want to have um, the higher up on the food chain that you eat with the fish, the more mercury they have in it. So that's also not a good thing. Um, so actually like sardines is one of the best fish to eat from that aspect because they're only eating like the algae and the kelp and they're not eating other fish. So it's uh, uh, not, it's avoiding that bioaccumulation over time. You, you know, so. you just, you're taking away everything I hold. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Grilling various meat products and smoking various meat products all summer long. Yeah, uh, yeah. And a nice steak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what you can do is, I've heard some people will, um, choose like a once a month, right, for that. So if you're making it a special occasion, it's a birthday, it's the 4th of July, it's, it's some sort of holiday, and you're making it so you're having your portion then, and you invite friends over and family over and hey, say, hey, take home the leftovers with you guys. So I'm going to enjoy it now, but that doesn't mean that the holiday has to extend for the next week, right? So yeah it doesn't have to be all or nothing, but it's more like, you know, like Thanksgiving, I think of that when we eat for a whole week, that same like, you know, heavy fat food, but you know, it's mostly plant-based, but it's not good for us. And we know that. So yeah. Yeah. I want to get into the broader diet, uh, the dietary piece, but before I move mm -hmm. on, I have one more question about, I think I have one more question about uh, the over 65 crowd and mm -hmm. Alzheimer's and dementia. Yeah. So um, let's say I'm a caregiver. Uh, mm -hmm. let's say, um, I've got a mom or dad or a loved one mm -hmm. over the age of 65 and they're suffering from various stages of dementia and or Alzheimer's. Um, what do I do? Um, yeah. what can I do to help if it's, you know, if we're still ways away from a pharmaceutical, uh, therapy regimen here, um, and you're saying diet is there mm -hmm. could be the answer. Yeah. If they didn't, you know, what do I do now? Uh, how yeah. can I help my mom or how can I help my dad? Um, is there anything I can do with their diet that I, because I'm yeah. a caregiver of theirs to, to help them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. So the foods that you would want to emphasize would be um, green leafy vegetables. So I had already listed those. You also want to do whole grains. So like simple oatmeal in the morning. Um, if you like if you just like visit them once a day and you can do like overnight oats in the fridge, you just put um, like a half cup of oatmeal, you can put blueberries in there. So a half cup to a cup a day. Um, and then you can put in like a plant-based milk that you like. So soy milk, almond milk, oat milk, anything like that. Um, and then you just like fill that up to cover all the oats. And then you let that sit overnight. And then so in the morning, they would be able to go and grab it and it's already ready. 
So like, that's one of the ones that is great for working people too. Like if you're like on the run, you need to go, you don't have time to like sit there and make your breakfast in the morning. Right. Um, so does, that's a simple one. <laughs> does the diet that we've talked about help slow it if you've already got it or is yes. there not enough evidence? Yeah. So, so there is some evidence, um, that it, it can help slow it. And there's actually research being done. Um, it's by, um, the shares eyes. So it's this, uh, couple of their, uh, MDs and their researchers and they're out in California and they're actually working to see if diet can reverse Alzheimer's disease. So that's in the very early stages, clinical trials. So we won't find out about that for a couple of years, but the idea is that if you make these changes now, you can at least slow that. So um, coffee is good actually. So there's been a lot of research that shows that like the more cups of coffee a day that you drink, the less Alzheimer's risk you have. Oh, thank God. Um, so I think it's because it dilates the blood vessels, right? Yeah, so no, we're getting that blood yeah, flow. Yeah, yeah so and for, everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm coffee. Yeah. All the time. All oh, the time. you wouldn't even. Yeah. If, if it were illegal, I'd be in big trouble. Let's yeah, put it that yeah. way. <laughs> coffee is good. So, okay. So, you know, yeah. I'm summarizing and tell me where mm -hmm. I'm wrong. Yeah. Because I'm yeah. often wrong. Yeah. When you're in your 40s and 50s, it's um, not just to lose weight or feel better, mm -hmm. but it's also going to have pretty significant impact on your propensity, your personal propensity to develop any type of cognitive issue or any type mm -hmm. of staving off cognitive decline true or false true true okay yes. when i'm over 65 or pick a random you know 65 70 67 whatever and i've been diagnosed with some sort of cognitive decline or just natural aging you know i didn't mm -hmm. even talk about that the natural aging process does it help you know it does help and it can impact but there are studies being done so it's a tbd but but likely mm -hmm. is that true yeah, true and if i'm a caregiver I should still be doing this, even though my mom or dad or loved one has dementia or mm -hmm. uh, Alzheimer's, because it could actually, it could mm -hmm. actually slow the decline. True or false? True. True. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, developing that diet around basically 90% plants, like you can't go wrong. And, and the whole foods as much as possible. I know sometimes we do need help from processed foods. So you can get the pre-chopped veggies. Like I've told, um, I have a, a book club that I do with my church friends and their, you know, average age is over 65. And so I, I teach them these cheats. That's like, do you have a blender? Okay. If you have a blender, that's great. Then you can put, you know, two to three cups of spinach in it. Then you can put in some blueberries, a banana, um, flaxseed is a great source of omega-3. So they say uh, one to two tablespoons a day for that and then water and blend it up and you're good. So it's just like, what can you integrate into your everyday life and make it a habit? And then if you decide that you like fish, like, like if you're a parent, you're taking care of a parent um, who has Alzheimer's, what is their favorite food? Don't take that away from them, right? Okay, but what can you do to integrate like healthy snacks instead? So you want them to still, you know, have semblance of themselves and, you know, it's it's a tough time and they're losing memories of different things. So if there is one thing that they really enjoy, you may even be able to like tweak the recipe a little bit. Like, so 
Um, I, I talked with my, my friend with the diabetes about this, of like, well, you know, instead of milk in that recipe, can you put the plant-based and instead of butter, can you do like for baking, you can do, um, applesauce instead of oil. Um, so for like cornbread or cakes and things like that. So it's, what can you change to make it slightly better than what it was before? And they probably won't even notice the flavor, honestly. So you've brought this up a number of times in the, in the course of our time together. And I want to dig a little deeper. Um, your PhD candidate, a lot of research around Alzheimer's and diet and dementia. And, um, and you've turned this into, or you're turning this into health coaching, actually practical application of your research, which I think is really unique. Tell me the history and background in health coaching and you know, why is it, it seems to me it's emerging. It's new. We've had baseball coaches and basketball coaches and even now, you know, personal trainers for a while now. Talk to me about health coaching and, and this overall piece around wellness and, um, and what you've seen and, and uh, how to get into it. Sure. Yeah. So, so I do agree that health coaching is, is kind of a newer field. Um, it, I've seen in the past, it would originate for people who have severe chronic illnesses and need help. Um, or if they just kind of want a healthier lifestyle overall. Um, so it's kind of a branch off of a, a nutritionist, actually. And so when I was looking to see, uh, I like my research, I really enjoy it, but I want to actually help people one-on-one and I want to make changes in their lives. So where could I do that? And so nutritionists, unfortunately, if you're a registered dietitian, typically they only have like a max of an hour with a patient or a client. And so you have to go through your whole history and then what you're eating. And then they give you uh, like a handout that says, this is what you should eat from now on. And so there's not really much like follow-up. There's not much engagement. And so a lot of the accountability is on the individual. So there's not really that relationship back and forth. And so what I found with, with health coaching is that you can actually build that relationship that like. I will eat healthy for myself, but I also have someone who's going to hold me accountable to that. So if I am not, you know, monitoring what I'm eating, if I am not making my own goals happen, then someone's going to tell me, Hey, you know, why did that happen? Why are you not doing this? Uh, And how can we work through that barrier that you have to be able to make progress? How do I know when I need a health coach? Yeah. So I think you need a health coach if you've tried it on your own and it doesn't work. So if you're potentially a fad dieter and you've gone through these cycles and no matter how much information you have, you just can't get the results that you want. Um, Or like I said earlier with the food allergies, that's a very complicated problem because your allergies can happen as soon as like a half an hour after you eat something up to 24 hours. So that's really hard to decipher, like, well, was it this food or was it that food? And then like, where is this coming from? So I think if you're, if you've been struggling for a while with your diet and you just feel like subpar, like your energy is low, you're crashing in the afternoons, things like that, um, or you're concerned about a chronic disease. So if you have heart disease in your family, then maybe it's not the genetics necessarily that are passed down that are causing heart disease, but it could be the diet that you've inherited, the cultures that you've inherited. How do I get started? I mean, is this just, uh, you you said 
allergies. How do I know if I've got an allergy? Do you do a test? I was thinking mm-hmm. I got tested for allergies once. And I, all I can remember is somebody poked me with a needle a bunch of times on my arm and up my shoulder. Is that what yeah. I'm looking forward to? Or uh, Yeah, yeah. So, so that um, kind of testing, so you can do like blood work or the skin prick test. So that is actually like the first layer of allergy testing. And so I would say go to a certified allergist and get this done rather than doing the at-home kits. Um, and the thing is for that is the at-home kits, they look at different different components. So there's um, IgG and there, uh, there's IgE. And so basically they're looking at the form that says this could potentially be an allergy, but is not established as an allergy. So I actually had food allergies myself and I went to an allergist and I got all the things done and they're like, you're allergic to basically everything. And um, that was very, that's not great news. Yeah, not good news. Um, And then I said, I asked him, I was like, so, you know, I've heard that people have allergies that, you know, go away. And like, so like, how do I make that happen? And he said, like, honestly, if I knew that I wouldn't be here and I would have a Nobel prize. So he, he basically suggested to me that like through the process of what you do is you keep a food diary, you write down your symptoms and you write down the foods and when you ate them, and then you look and try to decipher. So I realized that this is difficult for people who maybe you don't have the time to kind of figure that out, or you just don't have that like analytical intuition to see like, well, you know, is it is it the bacon that's causing me allergies or is it the kale? Maybe it's the kale and I shouldn't eat that. Like, I mean, there's some people that it may not agree with, but it, it's filtering things through. And so I know um, foods that have high histamine content. So that's something that we can look at. Like if uh, histamines are what causes your seasonal allergies typically. And so there's also like a cross reactivity of uh, during the season that it is like you may be allergic to certain foods because you have the pollen outside. And so it's, it's cool. So my program is all evidence-based. So I look through the recent literature and I look at all the data that you're providing me. And so this is like the premium service, which I would go through. And for three months, we track everything that you eat, but we don't track calories. So I think like, that's a really important part is that we're just trying to see where you are, where you're going. And then each session that I have, we do a little learning lesson where it's like a half an hour and we talk about um, one of the goals that you have and then some science that is behind that. And I also let my clients choose their own goals. So I say, you choose the smart goal that you want for the next session. And so that's something that's, um, it's gonna be a measurable, um, specific, measurable, actionable, uh, realistic, and timely. So it's smart goals. That's smart I goals. Just, I picked up on that. S M A R T. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, so that puts the power in the client's hands. So it's, it's them saying, this is what I want to do. Like if I want to have a smoothie every day until yeah. uh, we meet next, like that would be an easy goal. And I want to, you know, cut down on drinking. And I want to have only drinks on the weekends with friends. Like there's different things like that, that, that can be done. And so I think it's, it's very good that it's, I'm teaching people, I'm giving them the tools. And I want you to leave me knowing that, like, if I have allergic reactions, I can figure out what 
what caused them. So I actually even train them on how to look through your own food diary at the end and, and point back to what might have caused it. So let's say I'm interested in a health coach or a nutrition coach. How do I get started? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do I have to do first? What types of research should I be doing? Is this just Googling health coach yeah. or should I be looking for uh, an association? Is mm-hmm. there a website I need to look at to figure out, you know, certified, you know, whatever health coaches in my, in my area? I know I'm not doing it justice, but you get my yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like a couple different avenues that you can go. So if you think that you just need a nutritionist to give you a handout, then you can go to the, the nutrition. Um, I'm not really sure what the specific name is, but there's certified, uh, registered dietitian. So if you put it on the website, yeah, Yeah. the registered dietitian by the name, then that's going to be someone who's going to give you that hour and say, okay, come back in six months thing. Um, then if you want someone who's going to be, um, there are some associations that like work with gyms that those ones may be like, um, let's see, there's, oh, I'm trying to think of what it is. Yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, okay. I can but, look but them up put them on the website. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll give you like meal plans. So there's, there's the other one that's like, this is, these are the smoothies that you, the powders that you should have. So there's that aspect. Right. And then, so mine is like the separate from that. So, so it's not just a quick one and done thing. It's not, I'm not providing you food to eat, but I'm teaching you the lifestyle that you can take from there. So it's more like one of the things I say, as far as like, if you wanted to work with me as an introduction, I actually have um, an eat for health checklist. And so that's up on my website and it's for free. If you uh, become a subscriber, then it'll send an email that gives you this tracker. And so basically you can just go through a month of tracking and it gives you seven foods that you should eat and that will help to promote health for you. So it doesn't matter where you start and they're very basic kind of things. And so before I take on like a new client, I suggest for them to try that out first because a big portion of what I do is, is tracking what your food is. So I say what gets measured gets managed. So it's the same thing with finances. If you're not looking at your finances and you're not watching it, then it can get out of control easily. And same thing with food. Like you need to be honest with yourself. Like, what am I eating? And and is this okay? And is this what I want? And what are the side effects of that? So if you have extra weight, have less energy, have high inflammation, things like that, most likely they are tied to what you're eating, but I can also work with people on other lifestyle factors too. So like exercise and sleep and stress reduction. So it's, it's more of the whole package, but like I said, everything that I'm going to have is you're coming to me because you want the science behind it because you want that explanation. If you want the fad diet, the lose weight in 10 days, then I'm not the person for you. Um, and you can probably just look on Instagram for that, but I'm the one that's going to work with you for, like I said, either three month period or a six month period to get your life on track. You mentioned something earlier (laughs) in the, uh, in the talk, evidence-based nutrition coaching. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Explain again yes. what that means. Yes. So evidence-based nutrition coaching means that I'm backing every decision 
up with the literature, the scientific literature. So if your concern is uh, heart disease, then I'm looking at what are the foods that are proven in um, clinical trials to reverse heart disease. I'm gonna give you specific criteria. So a lot of people will just say, eat more vegetables, which is great, but I can tell you that you should eat three to four servings of vegetables a day, and you should have three servings of kale a day, and that we need your cholesterol to be below 150 total cholesterol so that you have reduced your risk of having a heart attack. So it's it's taking the science, the what's currently out there in the literature, and applying that to real life. And the thing is that Unfortunately, when you go to your physician, the medical establishment is typically between 10 to 20 years behind where the research is. And so I say that's not good enough. I want to use that information now to help people now. And the thing is, there's very little side effects from going plant-based or shifting in that direction, right? So you may become more regular, you know, because you have increased fiber. You may have more energy you may need less medication. So in that case, you got to work with your doctor to say, I'm changing my diet. I need the blood work to be measured in six weeks. And so I can even review blood work with people as well. So I'm using the science, using the observations, and then going for what is your goal and what things do I know can help to promote you in that direction that you want to go in. So let's Let's say I'm ready. Let's say mm -hmm. I'd like to lose some weight. Let's say right. I do have Alzheimer's or dementia in my family history or heart mm -hmm. disease, um, and I'm ready. Yeah. What if I'm ready? And that's okay. obviously the very first decision. Then take me through uh, what those steps look like and what that three or six month engagement looks mm -hmm. like as if I were a client. Yeah, yeah, sure. So for, for all potential clients, I give a free clarity call and so we basically just like sit down and have a conversation of what are your goals? What is your number one concern? Um, because we can only cover so many things. So the, the premium service is eight sessions and then the monthly one is six sessions. And so what I do is I will, based on what you tell me, so what your concern is for, for Alzheimer's, I can pick out specific topics. And so I'll specify, I'll put um, like six topics on the board of foods um, and different things that will help to prevent what your, what your concern is, right? So helping you how to integrate these dietary and lifestyle factors. So maybe one week is about exercise and one week is about mental clarity because, um, so for people whose diet doesn't influence um, their dementia risk, they can also have where their cognition is they, they're cognitively resilient and they basically created so many different neurons and connections in their brain that as some atrophy, so they'll have like the signs clinically of Alzheimer's, but they're not showing dementia. And so like, that's also a really interesting um, component. There was, um, it was a nurse's study or a nun study. And they showed that when the, these nuns passed away, they donated their brains to science and they had signs of dementia. They had the tau tangles and the plaques and, but they were not showing it at all. So it was really, really interesting to see that like they're, they're giving to other people, 
their like repetitive nature of their life and the simplification like that is what created this resilience and so i think that's that's really fascinating as well um, yeah so so i would pick these topics so we'll pick six and then what i do is i leave two sessions that are open at the end and so that's as as we're going through life together, you know, six months is an extended period of time, something may come up that's a new concern to you that you didn't know initially. And so I say that we co-create those last two sessions. So that's things that you think up as we're going through the program, then we can add a little segment and I'll do the research and add that for you. Um, and then every session is about an hour long. And so the first part is that dietary intake. So for everyone coming into my program for the premium service, I request that you do a dietary intake for the first month, at least. And so I'll have you, you track your food and then send that over to me. And then I'll go through and I'll look for any patterns and say, um, where can we improve? What are you missing? Um, and so we're doing this um, with an app that doesn't count calories, like I said before, um, but we'll go through and just identify areas where we can improve. And then so each week you make those SMART goals based off of the learning session. So the learning session could be um, introducing like fiber-filled foods. So how do we get those whole grains in more and where in your diet can we add them? So that would be an example. And then at the end, you would set your SMART goal saying that I want to eat oatmeal every day. And so this is my goal. So I'm replacing my old breakfast with oatmeal in the morning. And then I want to try to incorporate brown rice because I used to eat white rice. And so that's uh, it's removing some of the extra nutrients when they do that kind of polishing to make it white rice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then so we basically would go through that. Um, that would be the, the premium service. And then the six month coaching is more for people who are highly motivated. I can do this on my own, but I just need a little nudge um, in the right direction. Um, and that kind of like accountability partner. Um, so for those, I do more of the checklist format because I know that you probably already have everything like under control and you just need to know what the goal is, right? And so um, I think it's really interesting. I've had uh, clients where we kind of co-create that checklist together too. So if you want to, you know, go on a bike ride um, every other day for this week, you know, then that's something that we can add to that. So it doesn't have to just be nutrition things on the checklist, but it can also be um, lifestyle factors as well. So I think that's, that's a really interesting thing. And that one's a little bit more affordable of a program. Um, so it's a lower barrier to entry. And I think that, you know, in six months, you can make a big difference in your life by going through something like this. I mean, this has been fascinating. I know we could talk for hours about this. It's the blending of science and academia um, with practical application and health coaching, this emerging field. Mm -hmm. What questions should I have asked that I didn't? Like, so what kind of um, like blood work should you do to make sure that you're, you know, having the sufficient vitamins. Um, and so for one, one big vitamin that is of concern for people who are over 65 is uh, B12. And so this is the one that if you have low levels in it, then you'll have um, dementia-like symptoms. So it's not actually like a full dementia, um, but you'll have like some cognitive decline and impairment. And so actually what happens is, is B12 is found in animal products. So your meat, your dairy, your cheese, 
um, and it used to be in the soil. So we used to get it from vegetables, but it's not as prevalent now. So if you're plant-based, then you need to supplement with that um, once a week. And it's only like 50 micrograms. So it's a very small dose um, that you need. But then if you're, if you're still eating those animal products, you're getting the source. But as you age, um, when you're hitting around that 65, there's another um, enzyme that you produce, which is called the intrinsic factor. And so it actually binds to the B12 in your stomach and is what helps you to absorb it. So that declines over, over time and as we age. So for people who are in that higher age group, you would just wanna get your B12 levels checked and you can either take that simple supplement once a week or you can get an injection every six months that will bring you up. And um, in a matter of months, those dementia signs will go away. So I think that's that's really cool and really um, promising that that's a low hanging fruit. It's a simple blood work that anyone can get done. That's phenomenal. Thank you for bringing yeah. both of those up. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so I think those were those were the big things I wanted to talk about today. Thank you. Tell everyone how to find you on the internet. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, I'm on Twitter is where I'm most active. Um, so we're at uh, Science Couple. And then we're also on Facebook. So just look for that Science Couple on Facebook. And we're on Instagram occasionally. So that's some Science Couple over there. And then our blog, of course, is that Science Couple. So I made it easy that they're all linked together. Um, and so you can go ahead and sign up for our mailing list. Again, we have those free downloads for there as well. And then, you know, if you just have any questions um, or are interested in any of the coaching services, then on our Facebook page, you can send us a message and it'll go through um, some uh, pre-screener questions that will kind of filter you into the two different programs that we have as an offer. And then I can set up a, a call from there. Okay. So if I'm interested in the health coaching, um, uh, and this is the evidence-based nutrition coaching, yes. Facebook is the, where I, is where mm -hmm. I should go and find you? Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and there is a more in-depth ex explanation of the services I offer on our blog as well, our website. Thank you so much for your time today. This has been great. Yeah. Thank you so much, Matt, for having me. This has been a, a great conversation. My thanks to Deandra for a great show. Make sure to check her website out at thatsciencecouple.com for one-on-one -on -one or group nutrition coaching. Check out the Matt Ferret Show website at www.themattferretshow.com. And of course, please subscribe to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Until next time, to your wealth, wisdom, and wellness, I'm Matt Ferret, and thanks for tuning in. The Matt Ferret Show, related content, publications, and MF Media LLC is in no way associated, endorsed, or authorized by any governmental agency, including the Social Security Administration, the Department of Health and Human Services, or the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. The Matt Ferret Show is in no way associated with, authorized, approved, endorsed, nor in any way affiliated with any company, trademark names, or other marks mentioned or referenced in or on The Matt Ferret Show. Any such mention is for purpose of reference only. Any advice, generalized statistics, or opinions expressed are strictly those of the host and guests of The Matt Ferret Show. Although every effort has been made to ensure the contents of The Matt Ferret Show and related content are correct and complete, laws and regulations change quickly and often. 
The ideas and opinions expressed on The Matt Ferret Show aren't meant to replace the sage advice of healthcare, insurance, financial planning, accounting, or legal professionals. You are responsible for your financial decisions. It is your sole responsibility to independently evaluate the accuracy, correctness, or completeness of the content, services, and products of, and associated with, The Matt Ferret Show, MF Media LLC, and any related content or publications. The thoughts and opinions expressed on The Matt Ferret Show are those of the host and The Matt Ferret Show guests only, and are not the thoughts and opinions of any current or former employer of the host or guests of The Matt Ferret Show, nor is The Matt Ferret Show made by, on behalf of, or endorsed or approved by any current or former employer of the host or guests of The Matt Ferret Show. 